This is a Charles Russell Speechlease podcast. Hello, uh, welcome to our latest property patter, where we will be looking at the issues relating to pharmacy property transactions. My name is Claire Timmings. I'm a legal director based in the real estate team of Charles Russell Speechlease. Uh, I've been dealing with pharmacy property transactions for over 10 years. I'm very pleased today to be joined by my colleague, uh, Rachel Warren. Rachel is a legal director in our healthcare and regulatory team, advising pharmacists on all sorts of pharmacy legal issues and problems that they have with their pharmacy properties and pharmacy contracts. So to look at pharmacy property, what makes it so different and what do landlords and tenants need to understand about it to be able to safely uh, go through their property transaction and to understand what each party is looking to try and achieve and the issues they're trying to address. Well, first of all, one of the key issues that um, separates pharmacy property from other property is the NHS contract. And I'm going to now hand over to Rachel, who'll be able to explain a bit better than I can exactly what an NHS contract is. Thank you, Claire. So you're absolutely right. The NHS contract is key to um, the running of a pharmacy business. And it's always described as a contract, but actually it's not a contract at all. It's a statutory right to be included in a pharmaceutical list, which is held by NHS England. And inclusion in that list means that the pharmacy business is entitled to be paid by the NHS for providing NHS pharmaceutical services. And by that, I mean things like dispensing prescriptions. So there's a whole regulatory regime which covers and deals with these NHS contracts and it's quite restrictive so if you own and operate a pharmacy business you can't just open a pharmacy wherever you like you have to have satisfied a statutory test and you have to have shown normally that there's a need for a pharmacy to be in that particular location and equally if you've got an existing pharmacy and you want to move it for whatever reason and Claire and I've helped clients over the years who've needed to move to a different premises for whatever reason. Again, you can't just move, you need to make an application to NHS England and again satisfy a statutory test. Given that the NHS contract is one of a pharmacy business's main assets, it's obviously very important to make sure that everything is done correctly within the regulatory regime and that that is done in conjunction with whatever you may need to do as far as the property is concerned. As Rachel says, the NHS contract is key. So therefore, from a real estate and property perspective, there's a few issues that uh, any pharmacist and landlord need to be aware of. First of all, the lease needs to be in the name of the right entity. So it needs to be in the name of the same entity that holds the NHS contract. And we've seen time and time again examples of where clients have set up businesses, perhaps as a sole trader, later have incorporated it, and they're not necessarily made sure that they've had the lease and the uh, NHS contract in the same name. And I think, Rachel, you've seen a number of examples of that with some of your clients that have come and it's seriously delayed sales and caused some serious issues, hasn't it? Yes, yeah, so I've um, I've helped clients, and in fact, I've, I've, I'm helping somebody at the moment who um, hasn't renewed their lease. And so they've got obviously numerous difficulties now because they're trying to sort that out. But if they're unable to provide pharmaceutical services from the listed, as far as NHS England is concerned, premises, then there reaches a point where the NHS contract will fall away. So it's absolutely crucial to 
deal with these things promptly and efficiently and as soon as you think there might be an issue come and seek expert advice on that and just something else sort of another complication to add into the mix which also affects the premises the premises also need to be registered with the professional regulator for pharmacies which is the general pharmaceutical council and so all these things need to to tie in together and there's often timing issues and deadlines by which certain things have to be done um so it is important that, that you, you know you got somebody dealing with it who understands the interplay between all these various different issues. That's absolutely correct and I know there's a number of things where we've had the luxury of having the expertise of our pharmacy law team which obviously you're a very key part of Rachel and our real estate team where we've had to knit some of those issues together so say for example a client who's a pharmacist who's looking to relocate into say a health centre uh, typically enough if it's being developed you'll have a agreement for lease that will need to be conditional on them having the NHS contract, the listing, General Pharmaceutical Council consent, any appeals period expiring, and you need to make sure you're building the timing with that to ensure that the long stop dates or the end dates under that agreement by which those conditions have to be satisfied tie in with the periods that it takes to get the NHS contract and any appeals period. So that's absolutely key and that needs to be reflected in any documents. You've also mentioned another very key point, Rachel, uh, with that particular example of the client who's having problems. Another key point for pharmacies is that because the premises are so crucial and where the pharmacy contract obviously is listed, they need to have uh, 1954 Act renewal rights. So that means that they've got the protection uh, of business premises under that Act. So at the end of the lease term, they potentially have the right to renew the lease and the landlord does have limited rights to propose renewal but generally speaking, it's an extra safeguard to ensure that they can preserve business at that location and they don't face a situation where the landlord can seek to try and get them out uh, because they have no right to renew and any ex lease extension is purely a matter of negotiation. Those are some really fundamental points I think very uh, as key to pharmacy property and what you need to think about. Another factor, of course, with pharmacy is if, for example, the pharmacist needs to relocate at some point, if he's in a high street, uh, premises he needs the flexibility to be able to do so so for example a lease that just allows him to operate the property as a pharmacy and nothing else without any flexibility to change that use to another retail use if he later tries to relocate his uh, contract elsewhere that's effectively going to stop him from being able to dispose the property to somebody else unless it's another pharmacy then as i think you said rachel these nhs contracts are so difficult to get if someone else wanted to come in, if that NHS contract had been relocated, that would be pretty impossible, wouldn't it? It would both be very difficult in terms of getting a new NHS contract. And also there would be the issue that the person who's relocating wouldn't, wouldn't want a competitor probably to move into their premises they're leaving because they're probably going to be relatively close to the to the new premises to which they've moved so that's a really good point you know uh, a pharmacy business would definitely not want to be in a position where they can't get rid of um, the property that they're leaving and i think also um you know we've mentioned the rights of renewal i mean you had this client with the case that i think they'd lost it they'd actually not been switched on enough to respond to notices they got from their landlord so they therefore ended up in a situation where they lost their rights and then to try and preserve their rights it became virtually well, it's become a real really hard thing to do hasn't it 
Yes, yeah, absolutely. So I think just going back to the point we were making earlier that it's very important to keep on top of these things and to be mindful of the importance of acting promptly and not just letting these things sort of lapse on the basis that it's fairly far down your list of priorities. Because we do, and Claire and I have sort of helped a number of clients over the years who found themselves in difficulty and trying to unpick these things after the event can be really quite challenging. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's much better if people don't find themselves in that situation in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. It's thinking ahead all the time. And I think another thing which really highlights the difference between a lot of pharmacy property and other more standard real estate matters is the fact that a pharmacist typically, because his business is so key to that property, the NHS contract and everything else, he will need the ability because he may need natively to finance that business or to be able to sell it on to someone who's going to finance it to have the flexibility to be able to create a mortgage or charge on that property uh you know not necessarily with landlord's consent uh, because he needs the ability to do that and also linked into that in a typical commercial lease if there's a breach of that lease or if the tenant becomes insolvent the the landlord has the right to forfeit the lease or bring it to an end well with a pharmacist who needs funding to be able to support his business, that's something that can be problematic. So what will need to be built into those leases are mortgagee protection rights to ensure that if there ever, ever is a potential breach, the landlord's required to first give notice to the funder and the funder then has a reasonable tier period of time to rectify the breach to ensure that the lease can be preserved for business, the NHS contract. So it really is quite a sort of, they're really key and interlinked. The NHS contract is fundamental and the property issues do flow from it. Uh, so that is why it's very important to understand some of those key points to be able to understand how uh, property ties in with it. Um, as I said, it, it can be quite a tricky area, but with the right expertise and the right guidance, you can really be steered as a pharmacist and also a landlord away from perhaps taking a position which wouldn't reflect each party's respective business interests and to ensure that you can see through a, a safe and a, a successful transaction and operation of a business without hopefully too many headaches going forwards. I mean, touching on that, from a property perspective uh, in relation to that consent, normally speaking, a pharmacist will need the consent both to the property, as I understand it, and also to any fit-out works that they're going to do. So that's something they need to make sure they organise in tandem with their NHS contract and with, you know, if they're opening a new property or they're doing something to it, they need to make sure they've safeguarded their position. That, that's right, isn't it? That's absolutely right. So if you are um, opening a brand new pharmacy, then before it will be registered, the General Pharmaceutical Council, which is the regulator, would ordinarily carry out an inspection. So again, there, there's the timing of that because you've got to obviously have control or be able to get into the premises to do the work and then you will have had to have spent the money to do the work um, but you do need that registration that property premises registration in order to be able to operate the pharmacy legally lawfully within the medicines legislation and then that ties in to being able to um, you know, be included in the NHS pharmaceutical list because you have to be operating the pharmacy lawfully in order to be able to do that. It is all interlinked and it is unfortunately all rather complicated. It is and that's why you need the specialist advice and I know certainly I've negotiated a number of deals where landlords just haven't understood 
that concept and they've tried to push back on it and said, well, that's in your client's control. And often we've had clients who have taken a view despite advice on it because they've tried to get the deal over the line. And what they've ended up having to do is make sure they very carefully manage that process to ensure that they get those consents, they get their, all their ducks in a row and they deal with it in good time so that they don't have any problems to stop them opening for trade when they actually uh, want to be able to do so. Uh, because it is fundamental to an operation of a pharmacy. So just sort of talking about health centres and uh, health centre pharmacies, they tend to be um, an area which there are some slight differences from your normal high street pharmacy model and some of the things that you need to be aware of with those types of pharmacy, as well as the usual NHS contract and the GPHE consent. One of the key things for pharmacists moving into that sort of property will be patient numbers, prescriptions, the likely trade that they're going to get from that particular property if they are moving in there. Uh, by analogy, um, in terms of flexibility, what a pharmacist will also be concerned about there is that they have the ability to walk away from the pharmacy if for some reason the doctors relocate, uh, there's no longer a medical centre there, and so therefore there is no passing trade or business. In each particular type of property, there will be different issues and different pressures, but fundamentally, some of those regulatory issues need to be fed through into all of those types of properties and adapted to the circumstances to make sure that the position is properly covered. So it is an area which is complicated. It has its own issues and its own requirements. And therefore, it's absolutely essential to take uh, proper legal advice on all of those points to ensure that your position is protected. So I don't know whether you wanted to add anything further, uh, Rachel, to the, the discussion that we've had. But I know from having seen some of the things you've had to deal with, clients need to be so up to speed and so organised. and ensure that they've got all their ducks in a row otherwise they can have so many problems. I completely agree with that and I think that um, the regulatory process is so prescriptive and there are you just touched on it earlier actually there's also appeal mechanisms with extra timetables built in which are all statutory so you can't change the time periods which makes things more complicated. So I'd like to by way of just um, finally close the session to thank you very much for listening in today. Uh, we hope you found this useful. Uh, you will be able to contact Rachel and I. Our contact details are on the Charles Russell Speechley's website if you have any queries or issues. Uh, we'd be delighted to assist um, and thank you very much for joining us. This is a Charles Russell Speechley's podcast. <laughs>